Hey, everybody. Welcome back to my show. I took a short break. I thought I had jury duty. I had to call every night to see if I was called up or not. And um, now my schedule is open again. I'm going to be lining up. I have six people that I have ready to go. We just have to get them on the schedule. So get ready for many, many more amazing interviews. Speaking of which, I've created a panel today of four of my favorite guests. And if you haven't had a chance to watch my interviews with them yet, please do so. I'll put the links down below. I'm going to introduce them briefly, and then I'm going to let them kind of tell their story about how they found orthodoxy. We are club lost sheep who have been found by the grace of our Lord. (laughs) And so we have created content to share our stories. Um, Each of my guests has a YouTube channel or an Instagram page, at least. And I think Vartan has the most links. Um, Mikhail is going to be starting to record more things for YouTube. And Jerry has been doing some amazing interviews with some of some of the guests that I've had on my show too. So we're kind of in this community of online Orthodox content creators. Um, And then Mia is my bestie from Finland. I love her. She's been on my show four times now. I think we're getting ready to schedule our fifth conversation about how we left the new age and why we love Christianity and how our lives have changed since we've become Christians. So why don't we start with Mikhail? Can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and what you love about orthodoxy? Sure. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a pleasure to be here. It's an honor. You know, I really enjoy all the work that you've been doing and everybody else just to stay to start off with, um, and um, yeah, so I guess um, just to start with my journey, I grew up in a Pentecostal home and I went to a Roman Catholic uh, private school growing up, which um, was a very confusing time to grow up with. It, there was a, a lot of conflicting ideas, um, although despite all of that, there was still an understanding that Christ was king. Um, you know, but of course, as the world is, it tries to keep you away from that as much as possible, distract you and kind of pull you in a different direction. And I think some of the passions that I had as far as, you know, music and, you know, my, my pride going into that wanting fame, um, to start with sort of led me down a dark path. And I ended up getting involved with, with people in the music industry that weren't very, uh, well-meaning people. And um, I, I essentially just, I was faced with the enemy pretty quickly, um, but I, I went through a number, number of years of struggling and, um, you know, it, it obviously, it, it's a reason why we do struggle, you know, even if we don't have Christ fully in our lives, like even despite that, those things are meant to lead us back to him in one way or another, you know, because these struggles are supposed to be a blessing. It's supposed to be a way to actually grow and to connect with him in this fallen world. And, um, you know, it's interesting because I've heard this said by a lot of people is that when they hit rock bottom is usually when they end up finding God. And, you know, it was when I basically lost everything, I I hit rock bottom amidst this, uh, you know, Kufid lockdown and and all this stuff. I 
sacrificed the job that I had because I wasn't willing to, um, you know, do certain things that the job was requiring me to do in management, which was to muzzle the employees, to teach them LGBT inclusion and all the silly stuff um, that I basically said, I'm not doing that. And, you know, I basically had no backup plan, lost everything um, in that time, also lost my father to the deleterious aspects of the lockdown and, you know, medical tyranny. And, um, you know, I, it was a little bit before then, you know, that I essentially was inquiring into orthodoxy and all the things that were happening all before that, you know, was, you know, me falling into new age and all of that. But then, you know, obviously when I found orthodoxy, I was like, none of this new age stuff means anything. It has no meaning whatsoever. It's completely empty. And it was when I actually was just first finding orthodoxy was when I totally hit rock bottom. And, um, if, if it wasn't for that, that time of finding orthodoxy, I, I don't know how I would have survived, to be honest with you. Um, because again, you know, when you lose everything, I'm, I'm not just saying that to be, um, you know, sort of, uh, proverbial here. Like, I'm actually saying that like specifically, like that this is, um, something I actually happened. I lost the home I was living in. I lost, you know, a lot of things in that time and didn't know what I was going to do next. And despite all of that repentance and not feeling bad for myself and constantly thinking of the suffering Christ had to go through was the very thing that actually saved me. Um, you know, which again, I have to say, I, I thank God for some of the content creators, you know, they're in the Orthodox community, like Jay Dyer, Tristan Haggard, you know, the, the church fathers, like father Peter Hears, um, father, Dr. Ananias, um, you know, how, how great the content is that they have to essentially outline what it is that the Orthodox faith is. So essentially during that time of suffering, I was understanding the blessing that it was, you know, that it, it's not just about me. There's a whole world that we have to basically look at and remember that we're all part of the same fallen world. And it's not just about us. You know, we're supposed to actually look at the world for what it is, which is a fallen world and to pray for the world, you know, and, and put others first rather than thinking of ourselves, you know, cause through prayer, I realized that it wasn't about me praying for the things I needed, the things I wanted. It was actually praying for my family, my friends, the world itself. And maybe lastly, sometimes for, for myself, you know, just for survival's sake, but um, you know, it really, it humbled my heart and um, I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Wow. Beautiful. Thank you, Mikhail. Um, Vartan, I first want to thank you for being such an amazing apologist, the apologetics work you're doing. Um, I'm only just starting to grasp <laughs> some of the things that you talk about on your channel and you're doing amazing work. And I know you've agreed to come back on my show to talk about the Trinity. So um, for my guests that haven't seen the interview with you yet, please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about how you were a lost sheep and became found by our Lord. Yeah. Thank you very much, Allison. Lost sheep. It, it, it got a life of its own. Um, uh, my name is uh, Vartan Manukyan. 26 years old, uh, by the grace of our triune God, I was put on this earth on Armenia. And when I was three years old, uh, I, we went, we moved to Holland five years in an asylum. 
And at a particular point, my father was just in a very happy way. He, he flagged with a piece of paper. That was a sign that we became Dutch citizens. And uh, up until now, I'm, yeah, I'm a Dutchie. Uh, I still have my roots uh, in Armenian uh, apostolic Orthodox Christianity. I was also baptized when I was four years old. And uh, I was a very open-minded kid, very open-minded, very curious. And uh, the saying curiosity kills the cat is not some, is not such just any uh, proverbial sentence. So having an open mind, uh, I was very susceptible to new age, conspiracy theories, psychedelics, um, gurus, a lot of stuff into idolatry. And uh, all of that, and while I was a, uh, quote, nominal Christian. So, like, when people told me, like, are oh, you a Christian? I was like, yeah, I'm a Christian. But I didn't actually know anything that I was talking about. And um, uh, I, I was, in some, in some sense, I am still a sort of a Paul. Paul was very zealous. He was very for, forthgoing, but for the wrong reasons. And uh, up until my 21st year to like a couple of years ago, like my Lord and Savior has like turned me like one hand, turned me 180 degrees. And my conversion towards orthodoxy is, um, yeah, I could, I could speak hours on it. And, but just in a nutshell, I was a lost sheep. I was, I had in this uh, hunger that in in any shape or form it wasn't a I wasn't able to satiate it. I was looking for wisdom, was looking for that fatherly figure. I was feeling uh, isolated. Uh, I was looking for uh, God in people, in other words, idolatry. And I've learned that if you put just a human being in a place of God, you'll always be disappointed. And um, then there was this figure who has always been there, who always was been there. And I was just like looking over it for some reason. And uh, just before we started recording, I already told me that like my life was this, like this is the Bible and Christianity and Jesus. And this is me. Like go all the way throughout my life. I just came closer and closer and closer. And I'm trying to get as clo close as I possibly can. And uh, glory be to God for you saying that I am a good apologist. Like there are so many more apologists out there that are doing a way better job than I do. But like every piece of result is a good result for his, for his glory. Um, uh, I, in some sense, understand what it means to be gullible and to be naive and what it means to be deceptive. And when I see someone speak very... Um, and when I see someone speak very like with the, with the chest put it out forth and, and very uh, with, the, with a loud voice, it doesn't necessarily mean that they are right. And uh, for the young people who are like falling into anti-Christianity, new age, some type of heresy, Islam, for instance, you really see that there is this, there is something about him that people, spiritually speaking, have an aversion towards. And this is something that uh, this particular uh, panel 
is going to address in the next couple of minutes. And I do really do believe that this is very important uh, for people who are coming from anti-Christian towards Christianity, that in the process of chrismation, uh, you need to understand that what the powers were that once got you. And all of us here, we are like the lost sheep panel. And, uh, and then, like in uh, Luke 15, there's the parable of the, the lost sheep, for instance. And uh, every one of us has been one. And, and the Lord was humble enough to leave the 99 for us. And that's something that that's, that's just love that is uncomparable. And um, hoping that by our efforts, uh, yeah, that uh, we also can save people. Like Christianity is uh, the poor person who finds bread and he's showing the another poor person where to find bread. And that's, that's Christianity for us in a nutshell. So that would be me. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for that. And um, Jerry, so good to see you. How are you doing? And um, so for anybody who doesn't know, Jerry's channel is called Exposing Powerful Lies. And you've probably seen him in the chats on Jay Dyer, Church of the Eternal Logos. I think that's where I first met him. And um, so Jerry, how are you doing? And what can you tell us about your journey as a lost sheep who was found by our Lord. Yeah. Hi, Allison. Thank you for having me on. I'm really happy to be here. Um, yeah. My channel is exposing powerful lies. It's just, just me. It's just, just, that's, that's what my channel is. My channel is me. I like having discussions with uh, interesting people, nice people. I like meeting new friends and stuff. So a lot of the people I've had on, um, like you've said, have been on your channel and are on a lot of these things. Um, and a lot of the, the guests I have coming on, scheduled to come on, I've also been on here. So I kind of like that, how we all are in the same circle and stuff and uh, met a lot of good people that way. Um, I grew up Baptist. I went to a Roman Catholic uh, school when I was a kid and really rejected all of that. I kind of, I just, I did not like it. And from those experiences, I thought I understood Christianity. I thought I, I had a pretty good foundation of what it was. Um, I really wanted to know the truth. I was a truth seeker. I was very into researching conspiracies and politics and history and all of these things, looking for the truth because I saw the deception in the world. I saw the corruption in the world. I really wanted to know what the answers were. And so basically that got me into anarchism. Uh, I kind of became a bit of a, a hippie and into the whole new age thing. And um, I ended up uh, for a while, went traveling, was doing the train hopper hobo thing. And um, basically just reading every day, trying to learn more about the world. And I was very vehemently anti-Christian, um, thought it was just kind of naive and, and, and dumb. And uh, I ended up getting into drugs. I had a, a really bad problem with drug addiction for many years. And, um, and it, was, it was until I found the Orthodox Church that really completely changed the way that I saw the world and helped me fix a lot of the problems that I had. Um, and I basically discovered orthodoxy through YouTube, through watching, um, I don't know how I first came upon it. It was probably through Jay's film analysis. And so getting involved in that channel and then meeting Tristan from Primal Edge Health, I started to talk to him more and started to 
because I had never even heard of Orthodoxy. I knew what Roman Catholicism was. I knew, you know, Protestantism very well, at least Calvinism and the whole Baptist thing. Um, and once I started to really come to terms with what Orthodoxy was and how it's the ancient church, it's the ancient faith, um, it basically shattered everything I thought I knew about Christianity. And I started to realize through lectures and debates, um, people like Jay's debates and stuff, that it was far more complex, nuanced, and deep and intelligent than I had given credit to Christianity for. So I spent about a year and a half looking into orthodoxy, looking into the theology of it, and um, kind of changing what I thought I knew about Christianity before I, I really became convinced and convicted in my faith that this was the truth and that, you know, Christ is the truth. And um, eventually it was Tristan who pushed me into going to a church. He sent me uh, the address for a church that was like in my town and was like, all right, bro, you got to go. You got, you got to go. You, you believe in orthodoxy. You have to, you know, actually take the steps and live an orthodox life. So I went, um, the very first church I went to is now my church that I go to every week. And uh, I'm getting baptized on the 26th of this month. So very excited about that. And met a lot of really great people there. Uh, formed a lot of strong connections and bonds with the people in my church. Um, and it has been like an entire life transformation, you know, change for me. Um, mentally, physically, spiritually, it's, it's just changed my life in so many good ways. And um, the more that I learn about orthodoxy, the more that I become convicted of its, of its truth. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what else to say other than it's just, it, it's, it's the truth. And um, it has helped me in so many ways. And when I was younger, I was very outspoken in my anarchism and in my new age hippie sadhu stuff. I was very outspoken because I cared about the truth. I wanted to know the truth. And when I saw deception and lies, I, I would, I was like, you know, in school, I would go on like long tirades and rants and stuff and tell people, you know, about uh, conspiracies and stuff like that, because I really cared about the truth. And um, once I became a Christian, I kind of realized like why that drive was within me, why, you know, my, my life was angled towards truth and why I cared so much to, to reach other people. And so having grounded my, my, myself in, in the church, now I'm trying to basically do the same thing, but with Christ, trying to reach people, trying to, to show people how it can help them and, um, and use my, use my voice and use my talents to hopefully direct people towards the church. So that's what I do with my channel. I just try to share my experiences, try to get other people to come on and share their experiences and try to show people like, Hey, this is, this is where you want to go. You want, you want to get to a church because I feel like I've done so much damage in my life sending people elsewhere and speaking out against Christianity that I really, <clears throat> it's like a, uh, I feel like I have a debt in a way, but it's also a labor of love too. Like I, I just want to, to send people to the church, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty much all I can think to say. Awesome, Jerry. Thank you so much. Goosebumps, man. I know. Ooh. And, and I think we can <laughs> all goosebumps. Got goosebumps. Oh. <laughs> I think we can all agree that we were searching for the truth. We were looking for it in other places. 
and then found our way back or for me for the first time, cause I didn't know anything about Christianity really um, brought us home to the ancient faith. And that's why I started my channel too, to share these stories and inspire people. And um, so mm. next and Finally, we have Mia, who is an inquirer, and I'll just let you tell your story about how you found orthodoxy or, or what you like about it, or just share anything that's on your heart. Thank you. I was just nodding along for the last 30 minutes you guys were talking because there's so much to, like, so much I relate to, like, especially the fact that I feel like I'm in debt because I've been talking nonsense about all the new age stuff and deception i even had a podcast about it and oh, oh my goodness there's so much to now undo like no 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 anything i've said forget it and this is the truth so <laughs> god bless the fact christianity is not karma uh, <laughs> <laughs> or else you got a lot of work to do right yeah Enjoy. well i've gotta clean up the mess i've done but um, my background a little bit. Um, I'm I'm from Finland, and uh, in Finland we're we're not Catholics, we're Lutheran. So um, basically, we went to the church once a year at Christmas time, and uh, that's it. And I got confirmed when I was 15, and that's like my religious background. So we had a Bible, but I I didn't open it ever I remember one time when I was little when I read it with my sister and I think that the moment was very special to me for the fact that she was reading it to me and it was like the bonding there but but it was nice we we kind of had it when we were uh five and ten but then we lost it the truth but now slowly we're getting back there um I was I got deep 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 into the new age when I was about like 18, 19, and uh, feminism, veganism, all the all the isms I could get with me, I I took and I just built my identity around those those things. And I I can now see how it was the sense of meaning to me. Like I can contribute to something bigger than me. I can do something good. I can oh the rants. Oh the I, I was the annoying vegan. I, like the the one you want to slap a bit to make them shut up. I I was the one, and on top of that, I'm I'm a professional at sales, so I I could sell ice to an Eskimo. That's a saying. I don't know if it's a saying where you are at. So those two things combined, and then New Age beliefs. I was oh I was a mess. Like it's it's. I knew that there's some hidden truth because i remember i was very young when i found out about the twin towers and the the whole thing around it i was i was like 10 or something so very young and i remember how my how in my mind i tried to understand like like this is what happened and this is what they're telling us what happened like what is this thing and i can feel, like remember that feeling come up when the whole new age spirituality came up and it, it felt like, oh, this is the answer. Like now, now I can get into the real stuff. But years went by and I didn't get it. Like there was always something new to discover, always some new level to get to. 
higher consciousness, higher vibrations. It just, it was so much work. And um, humbleness was a word that lacked, like from my worldview, there wasn't evil, there wasn't sin, there wasn't anything that I should be like regret or feel bad for, or even ashamed of, which is, it's such a dangerous like way to live and to think because there is no no anchor nothing to rely on except yourself and your own feelings and thoughts and I think that my feelings were the thing that kept me from the truth for all those years because it I I kind of knew that there's something more in for example veganism I knew that there's something more but I didn't want to dig into it because I knew that I wouldn't like it I knew that I I wouldn't like the truth I like it would make me feel bad so I just avoided the research but uh, um then when Allison came into my life it was my belief systems were already crumbling like the new age stuff some of it just didn't feel like it resonated with me anymore I, I couldn't relate to it anymore I just felt it was like in too much I don't need I don't need that much information because for years and years and years I was all about digging into stuff rabbit holes like everything I just I wanted to know more and at that point, I just wanted to know less. Like, <laughs> if it doesn't doesn't add value to me, I just wanted to go. So um, that was the time when God just He really made my life worldview crumble down. Everything I thought I knew and I believed in it just shattered. Like, and I was left with the truth. I I always thought that there's a truth. Like, but then I knew that there is another truth, which is the spiritual truth. And that's how I, I met God, and it it was, um, it was really humbling moment. And from that on, I've been very, um, not loud, but I've been, like I said, I feel like I've done so much damage with my strong beliefs within the New Age that now, now that I know how deceived I was, I just want to share my journey, and it's been amazing how many. How many of us are now getting pulled out of the deception? It's just amazing to witness how the Holy Spirit is on the move. It's it's amazing, like globally, and we all know we all know people who've been saved from from the New Age. So it's just amazing. So yeah, and the Orthodox faith. Well, when I heard that it's the original faith, that was all I needed to know, basically, because. The someone, some one of you mentioned the intellect, like the conversations and the debates and the arguments. It's something that lacked from the new age, for example. Like you can't you can't argue something that's based on nothing. Like there is, if there is no truth, if there is no foundation, you can't have a debate on stuff because everything's true. It's so stupid. Like that's the word to describe it. So when I met the most intelligent people like you you guys are so smart it's so amazing to listen to your talks and debates and interviews I learned so much every time so it's so amazing so yeah that's I I want to be the catechumen soon and then I want to get to the church so it's amazing I'm so glad (laughs) yay Mia thank you so much for being here and thank you for sharing your story So now this part of the discussion is going to be around a 
two, actually two paragraphs from this book right here, Orthodoxy and the Kingdom of Satan by Father Spirit on Bailey. And I sent these screenshots of these paragraphs to my guests today about a week ago and asked them to ponder and just come to this event with something to share about their perspective on what I'm about to read. And I highly recommend this book. It's, um, Vartan, we were talking earlier, you said it's like the sequel or the prequel to this one. Yeah, this is, uh, yeah, it's, wait, how do you call the one that comes after? Sequel. Sequel, then it's the sequel. Okay. So, oh, well, yeah, it was written after, but um, philosophically, I mean, they're, they're pretty, they're similar, but different. I don't they're know. They're similar, but different. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, anyway, highly, highly recommend both of these, especially for new people to orthodoxy who came from occult or new age type backgrounds. These are really um, like must-haves for your bookshelf. So um, I'll start reading the quote now. St. Paisios encouraged us to become secure in our faith, to live lives rich in repentance and prayer, and to reject the false illusion of love, which leads Christians to accept evil. The world's joys cannot sustain us and will not enable us to reach paradise. If we remain passive, we make our enemy stronger and he will be emboldened to attack the truth more openly. All of us must recognize our apocalyptic mission as Orthodox Christians. We each have a responsibility to live a life, tr um, live a true life of orthodoxy for the sake of our souls and for the whole world. We must hold tight to the inner conviction that our faith can save us for eternity and know that no matter how corrupt and powerful the world may be in the light of Christ's second coming, the real face, the real face of evil will be unmasked. We must not be lured. Sorry. Sorry, I'm having trouble reading this. It's, hard. it's like not a really good photo of it. We must not be lulled into imagining we can compromise with the world. In this war, there can be no truce. We either conquer or are conquered. Our struggles here in time in this world will determine our eternal condition. And so we must reject the temporary comforts that tempt us from taking up our cross. And just briefly, the reason I chose this for today's topic is because the world, when we're not identified in our Christian life, when, when Jesus Christ is not our, um, our identity, the world becomes an idol to us and we make the world more important than our love for God. And so this whole book is about how there are forces that are trying to do this at every stage of government, society, um, media. And so I'll start with Mikhail. Um, can you tell us kind of your perspective on this topic? Sure. Yeah. The first thing that comes to mind is how, you know, this, this world itself, it, um, it's, it's an interesting, uh, kind of 
you know, structure as far as like hierarchy within it that uh, most people don't really realize actually does exist. And without having God in your life, um, it's easy to get sucked into it. It's easy to, you know, because I've heard this said before from people in the past, um, you know, that, that weren't Christian, just basically saying, you know, you don't have to be nice, you know, to play ball in this world. You have to kind of be mean spirited and do these types of things. And, you know, it, it essentially just brings people further into spiritual slavery because they're just feeding their passions at that point, you know, and stepping on top of other people while they do it. And, you know, who Christ was and is when, when I think of this in general, just the sacrifice that he gave to us that we don't even deserve was to literally just die for us, you know, which is incredible to think of. But when I think of, of Christ, I think of the breaker of chains, you know, I think of the breaker, you know, and as this, this concept goes, as far as taking up our cross in this completely fallen world, that's trying to pull us into a direction of just complete sin and debauchery, um, feeding the passions is most people need to realize that that's actually meant to enslave us. You know, these things are meant to actually bring us into a spiritual death, which we do have to remember that we do have a spirit that is eternal. And, you know, it's, it's interesting to think of, you know, going through this battle because we all have different things that come our way that the evil one tries to put in, in our path to just lead us astray. And, you know, it's, it's pretty amazing how the evil one is sophisticated, I'm not saying that he's more sophisticated than God. I'm saying that he is sophisticated. He is ancient and he is capable of trying to feed us things that on an individual basis is pretty interesting because, you know, especially coming into the faith of orthodoxy. And I've heard this said before by many people is that, you know, a lot of things come to distract. A lot of things come your way to try and pull you off the path and to essentially lead you down. Um, further into sin. And um, I could say even particularly for me, um, you know, working toward, um, you know, eventually getting baptized, hopefully soon, you know, that I, within about a month, and I'm not even joking, within a month, all these things suddenly have been coming my way, whether it's through work or just personal things happening in my life, where these things are coming into my life that I know are not of God, that I know it, it could, you know, feed passions for a short amount of time. But as far as my, my, uh, you know, my life itself, that's on this earth, that that doesn't really matter because my life on this earth is not subject to what's going to happen after with my spirit. Um, you know, so I, I see it for what it is. And, and again, it doesn't mean that I'm perfect. Um, because there are those moments where there, there, there are all those, those ideas of, well, I could go do that, you know, and, that's not good because, you know, we're, we're meant to actually crush those things. We're meant to step on the face of evil as much as possible, but we have to ask God to help us through it and to pray to our, our guardian angels to help us through this because each of us are going to be going through this more and more and more through these dark times, you know, and I do realize that it, it could be easy um, for the finite body to succumb to this evil, but I do find it interesting that when we choose to not be the broken, that we choose to be the breaker of these chains, that the gifts that God gives to us and the blessings that he gives to us are far greater. And the peace that he gives to us is it's far more immense than any sin, any passion that we could fall into. And um, 
you know, I, I listened to um, a talk from our brother Nick and uh, Jay Dyer last night, um, where basically the question was asked, you know, about what do we do about this um, technological world we're living in? And, you know, I, I agree with Jay and, and, you know, I'm not one of those people that says that we have to throw away all technology, but we should limit our time as far as being on screens. And I've been doing that more and more lately. Um, and it is interesting what happens with the mind and with the soul itself is you you find time to pray, you find time to repent, you find time to humble yourself and to, you know, do what most people within the new age are thinking they're doing, which is, you know, looking at the shadow self, you know, which um, it really doesn't, it, there, there's no um, fixing through that. All, all one's doing at that point is just looking in a mirror and saying, oh, this is my darkness. And from there in the new age, they have nothing to change from that because they're not repenting. They're not asking God to give them wisdom to actually grow and to break out of these things that are holding them back. And that's the beauty of, of orthodoxy, the ancient faith itself, is that it gives us a framework to work through these things and to to yes look inward and to actually dissolve that part of ourselves and to actually suffer through this world because i i can say you know the idea that i have of taking up our cross is being an unabashed christian and lover of christ despite whatever the world is is doing and saying um you know in a way where it's like you know not um not trying to bash people over the head with it obviously but you know, if, if somebody is inquiring or interested, we're meant to tell these people, you know, and we're not meant to be silent about people that don't love Christ, because let's face it, the world itself is having an issue with, uh, you know, if you do even mention Christ around people, they get angry, they get mean spirited, they, they sort of lose their cool. And I could say particularly very recently with me, I've, I've actually had this happen at my job, um, where a friend of mine that I did mention on, on the last stream that I did with you, Allison, where, um, you know, in New York, we were working together and, you know, that's when I was like inquiring into orthodoxy, he's Roman Catholic and our friendship, how it, it we basically just like harmoniously helped each other out in a big way. Um, you know, he called me while I was at work one time and, and this is a couple of weeks ago and, um, it's amazing. You know, I, I wasn't even thinking of, of one of the guys that works on our crew that um, he's a little bit of a drug addict, um, not to badmouth him or anything like that, but he, he has issues with drugs um, and he's a very confused guy. Um, you know, he's jabbed multiple times. He's um, a Biden supporter, uh, you know, which is interesting. But um, yeah, I was on the phone with Paul and, you know, I was just telling him, you know, he was asking how I was doing and I was just like, oh, I'm doing good. I'm working toward getting baptized. I've been going to church every week and not to talk myself up, but just, you know, being, you know, happy with, with my walk and how it's going. And about a week after that, that same guy that I work with was bad mouthing me to all of the people I work with, basically saying, oh, this dude thinks he's what he is and he's got an attitude problem. And I'm kind to everybody that I ever come into contact with, but it's that hatred of, of Christ. It's that, you know, literally, you know, when, when people are in that mode, it's like they, they don't understand the, the framework or history of Christianity and certainly not orthodoxy and how God softens our hearts. Cause you know, I, I wasn't, that nice of a person a couple of years ago before I found orthodoxy. Um, not saying that niceness is what, what it's all about, but there is a softening of the heart and accepting others for who they are. But, um, you know, it is interesting when I first started going to the parish that I go to, um, my, my, um, spiritual father, 
you know, was showing me like the, the church itself. I just basically asked him, I was just like, even though I've been inquiring, just teach me because I don't know anything. I'm a baby. I, I, <laughs> in orthodoxy, I, I want to know everything and I want to be taught the proper way. And I remember he walked me through the narthex. And when I walked in, you know, he, he showed me, you know, you know, putting a candle down for somebody and praying for them and, and really being in the moment and doing that. And, and then, you know, the icons, when you turn to the icons, kissing them and really as if it's like a, a person that's like so close to you that you're just remembering them, you're cherishing them, you're venerating them. And I remember when I, when I kissed Christ, he was just like, oh, wow, you have no problem with that. That's good. That's really good because apparently, and when he said that, it, it made me think, I'm like, there must be people that have a problem with, with kissing the icon of Christ or uh, amidst this, this Kufid stuff that people are in fear coming into the church and wearing a muzzle and, and having fear to even kiss the icons, which is part of tradition, um, you know, which doesn't mean that they have hatred for Christ, but they're, they're lacking an understanding of what it is to be an Orthodox Christian, to not have fear, to not be afraid of what others think and to not be afraid to lose this body, you know? So that's, that's basically um, what, what I basically gathered from, from that quote. Wow. Mikhail. Powerful. Thank you. Okay. Vartan, you're next. Thank you. Brother Mikhail, that was a powerful uh, eight minutes that you gave us on the particular subject. I'm just nodding. Uh, what I could say about uh, the book of, or particularly the theme of Father Spiridon, and I, I haven't read the book, so I didn't earn my stripes to give an, an analysis on that book. But if it comes to the theme, I really do, since I've put in a lifetime of work, <laughs> because um, uh, me as a kid growing up, I was, as, as Brother Jerry, for instance, mentioned, I was very much into looking up the truth. And uh, following the, the, the evidence where it leads. But the very funny thing, or perhaps actually like, not necessarily funny, but it was actually demonic. We looked everywhere except for Christ himself. We looked everywhere. Like we were, we were open-minded, but if it comes to Christianity, like as, as one of the, like for now, like the biggest religion that there actually is, we always negated it. And the world, quote, facilitated that. And there were so many influences by it, be it the, the spiritual realm or this worldly fleshly realm. There were so many influences that wanted us to divert as long as possible away from Christ without actually knowing him. And uh, to me, when I hear someone, they say, um, yeah, I left Christianity. I always wonder, did you actually know him? Like, and the thing of our job, or like my job as an quote apologist, is to introduce him, to introduce you to Christ as much as I know who he is. Because you, how can you leave someone without actually ever having to know him? And the Father Spirit, in his book particularly, says um, uh, that we should be always be ready to give a defense, just like uh, Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter 3.15, and my conviction is also that the best defense is offense. Christianity in this particular age is very defensive. They're like, uh, the word that's used a lot is culture. Like, I, I have an allergy towards the word culture. Yeah, I'm a cultural Christian. You're like, you're like putting yourself away. You, just want, you don't want to call yourself a Christian. 
like the, the bold line Christianity of the first millennia, for instance, it's very hard to see that. But if it comes to like uh, the Russian Orthodox uh, patriarch or the Greek Orthodox patriarch or the Assyrian Orthodox, when, when you hear them talk, like your testosterone levels just like bump up like a couple of notches. There's so much fire and love for their faith and they, they understand the anti-Christian spirit going through like the, the book that we just showed, uh, Father Served from Rose Orthodoxy and the Religion of the Future. He wrote this book like in the late 60s and early 70s. And in, in, in a particularly prophetic kind of way, he already foresaw how the anti-Christian agenda of the devil was putting out his work on against Christianity, like from UFOs or yoga, pagan, um, New Eastern cults, charismatics, all this type of stuff. Like it really goes into depth. Like if you are a new age person and you read this book, like your, your rules for will just shatter. And if you are already like trying to leave new age, this one will put the nail in the coffin. And I have, unfortunately I haven't read Father Spiriton's book, but I do believe it's in that same particular train of thought. And um, me as a kid, having access to internet and having access to all, all the information basically that's out there doesn't necessarily mean that, uh, that we are bumping up our smartness. Like being an intelligent person, it's it's a good attribute to have, but not it's not necessarily that you are by definition a good person. Hitler was intelligent, but he wasn't a good person. Like he did everything on his list and he was a high performance person. But it's not the matter of the mind. It's a matter of the heart. Like Christ looks at the heart. And um, and unfortunately, a lot of people up there use uh, their cognitive faculties against Christians, for instance. And as a kid, when I watched a lot of conspiracy theories, I was very anxious. I watched a lot of uh, Alex Jones, David Icke, you name it. And... Um, I was so anxious because of how of the corruptness of the world, the wars that are going on. Um, you, you see the corrupted world that we're actually living in, like the naive kid that you once grew up into, like this big, mean world. It was a big, mean world. And one, one time I was asking myself, like, who's going to keep these men to justice? Like, I've always wanted it. And, and then the answer came that every knee shall bow to Christ. And if you don't voluntarily bow your knee, he will break your knee. And that's exactly the reality that we need to understand that um, God has dominion over all of us. And when I made that shift, like my fear of death just like diminished drastically. Um, I was less of the world and I understood uh, that the wisdom or the intelligence of what this world had to offer was just foolishness paul says in first corinthians 3 19 and romans 1 22 that uh, they proclaimed themselves to be wise but they became fools or that the wisdom of this world compared to god was just utter foolishness and all these people i was just following and listening to i i i was like brother jerry said and uh sister mia said like i was like i, I just feel like it's such damage that there's like this guilt that you need to make everything right with, with, with God again. And um, our job is 
to bring people at the feet of Christ before it's too late. Like the way I see it is that humanity is in this tunnel uh, of a mountain and there comes a train with, uh, on top of it, God's uh, righteous wrath. Like it's going straight towards us. And right next to us, there's Christ opening the door, like I am the way to truth and life. It is the question, are you going to step in or are you going to remain on the judgment? So like the question is on what side are you going to make the step? And um, we need to understand that Christianity is not of karma. It's about grace. It's about the gift that he is giving us. The question is, are we willing to receive it? Yes or no. And there is the intellectual side. There is the fallacies. There is um, the technical side if it comes to theological doctrines. There is also the, the, the particular side of the heart and of asceticism and of prayer and of experiencing God instead of talking about God in your head. And it's uh, orthodoxy is this amazing harmonized amalgamation of both, which is why I love orthodoxy. It's so rich. You are never, you never learn, you never learn out. Um, uh, I would say that um, that would be my uh, my conclusion of what uh, Father Spurgeon says. No. All right. Thank you, Vartan. Jerry. Hello. Hello. All right. Yeah, that uh, I love that quote. Um, just that that passage from the book is great. Um, wrote a few notes here. He says the uh, false um, false teachings of love to embrace evil. The world gives us this idea of being tolerant. You have to be tolerant. Love love each other. It's not a real love, but it's this idea of accepting. You know, everybody's right. Nobody's wrong. You, you talked about that. And um, it basically wants us to embrace these destructive things. The world's always giving us, you know, whether it's transgender or it's homosexuality or it's a, a, a number of different things. It's this idea of being tolerant and being loving to these destructive lifestyles, destructive ideologies, destructive worldviews. We as Christians love the people. You know, everybody is a sinner. All of us are wretched sinners. So yes, we should love people who are sinning, but we should not love their sin. We should not love their mistakes and their flawed worldview and their godlessness. These are things that are extremely destructive to them as well as to the people that are in their lives. And so if you really love somebody who's doing these things, then an act of love is to point them to the truth, is to point out where they're wrong and say, hey, this is hurting you, and it's also hurting everybody that's in your life. Um, he says we must not be passive, and it is this idea of being passive, of being tolerant, of whatever. I mean, I don't know. Who am I to say that this is wrong? Who am, you know? And passivity is such a big thing in New Age, in, in um, this idea of being receptive, right? Like these people who channel spirits, you know, or um, do medium, you know, mediums, mediumism, or however you say that, that whole idea of being passive, being receptive to the energies, to the influences, to the, you know, what they might call gods or spirits. And that's kind of uh, such a, a contrast to Christianity, this idea of being passive, you know, we're called to be sober, to be vigilant not to be passive, not to just embrace whatever force or spirit or idea might pop into our head and just, you know, just go with it. Just go like, no, that is so opposite. 
the idea of passivity uh, makes me think of apotheosis or, um, you know, the whole uh, Eastern idea of, you know, uh, dissolving your ego, becoming one with the universe, um, going back into the primordial oneness, you know, that everything comes out of when God literally made our individuated soul. He made us, he made who we truly are, our nature. Um, and so it's this, it basically, if you look at it deep enough, it's just death. Like if you lose your, yourself, if you, if you dissolve your ego, that's death, <laughs> you know, yourself was created and Christ offers us eternal life as individuated persons. So, um, I think that's a really good point to point out the contrast between Christianity and pretty much every other religion, especially the Eastern ones, is that we're not to be passive. We're not to dissolve our ego. We're not to lose ourselves, but we're to find ourselves by finding Christ. You know, all of our goodness, everything that makes us us, that isn't corrupted, that isn't uh, sin, is God. It all comes from God. A person is only so good as they express the energies of God. That's your, that's your measure of goodness. How close to God are you? How, how well do you express, you know, the image of God within yourself? Um, he says the real face of evil will be unmasked. And that's kind of going to what the Vartans had said about who will bring these men to justice. Same exact feeling I had, you know, you, you, you look at the world, you see the corruption, you see that evil is in very, high positions of power in the world and it makes you feel hopeless it 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 shows you and reinforces this idea that like like uh, i believe mick said you know you don't have to be a good person to be powerful you don't have to be a good person to be successful in the world and actually being a good person would be kind of a handicap it would be kind of a uh, an impediment to worldly success and worldly power you got to be cutthroat you got to be business oriented and, and crush your competition. And um, I mean, we see that in the world. We see evil in these very high positions of power, what we view to be, you know, the top of the pyramid, uh, the, the best you can be in the world is having power, having money, having the ability to tell people what to do and, and, and use your will to uh, impose your will on the world, basically. And that is the opposite of what we're called to do as Christians. We, we recognize the real power is in Christ. The real power is to be a servant. If you want to be a king, you have to be a slave. You know, uh, a real leader is somebody that sacrifices himself, somebody that does what is best for the people he's leading and not um, somebody that can just be up there and say, well, I'm the boss and you do this because this is what I want. You know, a real leader is somebody that... Um, that does what needs to be done and takes that burden uh, and that self-sacrifice to help the people, you know, in the community or in the family or in the church, you know, and the real face of evil will be unmasked. So we want, we want to see justice done and we look for justice in the world, whether it's these, you know, trials that are going on right now with like Ghislaine Maxwell or any of the corruption we see at these high levels of power, of worldly power, we want to see the justice done. And when it doesn't happen, it causes us to be hopeless. And I think that's a big reason why they put these things in the media, why they show us all of these things. They want you to know that evil is thriving and that if you want to be like these people, you have to be evil. 
and you have to be ruthless. And we as Christians know that, yes, the real face of evil will be unmasked. There is justice. God lets these things happen in the world to help us, you know, to help us in our spiritual journey. Um, it is the resistance. It is the struggle. It is the friction that causes us to be better people, you know, like a friction of lifting weights, you know, or a crucible where, you know, um, steel is, is tempered in a furnace. Like these are, this is why evil is here. It's here to make us better. And so all of the things that happen in the world happen by God's providence. God allows these people to be in the positions that they are. And it's not a position that you should want, you know, like I said about leading and self-sacrifice, that's what a real leader is. But these people are in what they consider high positions of power. And really they're the biggest slaves of them all because they don't have Christ. They're, they're slaves to their passions. They're slaves to their sinful nature, to their lusts, to their appetites. This is not something that we should want to be, you know, to have all the money in the world and be completely isolated and alone and think you're better than other people and think you're above the people in the world, the, 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 ple the plebeians, the peasants. Um, he says we cannot compromise with the world. Yeah, we can't compromise with the world. This goes back to what I said about tolerance and just be, you know, this false idea of being nice. Being nice, like don't ever call anybody out. Don't ever say that's evil or that's good. That whole thing, like uh, Mia had talked about the New Age, there is no good, there is no evil. You can't even debate with somebody because nothing's right and nothing's wrong. It's all just whatever. It's, it's all right. Everything's right. That's how we're trained to be through the media, through the culture of the spirit of the age, through, you know, our education. We're reinforced over and over again to be accepting and to basically compromise with the world. Don't judge, don't, you know, whereas the Christian point of not judging is don't judge the person, judge the sin, judge the actions through love to help and to do good. Um, Whereas the world tells you, no, it's, it's, it's mean to call out bad things. It's nasty. Like, don't do that. We have to be strong in our faith. We have to be strong in our convictions that God is the truth. God is everything good. God is everything that is right. And that the only reason we're here is to become saints, is to, is to express the energies of God and to be better and better and better. And you can't do that by having wishy-washy beliefs by having, oh, whatever. No, there's, there's a very clear line between what is evil and what is good. And we have to always go towards the good and we have to influence the people around us because no matter what, you're going to influence the people around you. We have to use that influence and that power of influence to direct people and push people and nudge people towards what is good. And the best way that you can do that really is just to speak the truth. And it's just, if something's bad, you say it's bad. That has a big impact on the people around you. When I was anarchist, when I was a hippie, when I was new age, I had a, a lot of influence around the people, you know, around the, the people around me. And that is a responsibility. Each one of us can do that, especially if you're a, a well-spoken person or if you're a charismatic person, you know, no matter whether you realize it or not, you are having a big impact on the people around you. And we have to use that towards the, the proper direction. Um, feeding the passions leads to death. I forget who said that, but um, absolutely. I mean, we're, we're given all of these sins on a silver platter in this culture. You know, you watch any movie on Netflix and it's party time. It's, 
drinking, it's sex, it's drugs, it's all these things. And this is part of the passivity. These things lull us into a passivity so that we're at the mercy of demonic influence. We're at the mercy of the evil influences. The passions are all weapons basically against us if they're not if they're not understood properly the passions are a tool for us when they're used right the passions are are a tool the same force that compels us to do to sin is the same force that we can use to do good it feels good to do good that feeling of oh i'm doing this because it feels good that is a tool for us but when they're corrupted they become addiction they become you become a slave to the tool that's supposed to help you. Um, C.S. Lewis had a, a good um, kind of like short story about that where he's talking about um, a guy is going to heaven and he's got this lizard on his shoulder and he gets to the gates and he can't pass. And the angel says, I have to cut that lizard off your shoulder before you come in. I might be, you know, mixing up the story, but that's basically the gist of it. And the guy says, well, if you, if you use that sword to cut the lizard off my shoulder, I'm going to die. I can't, I, can't, I can't let you do that. He says, well, you can't pass until I do. So the angel lifts up the sword, and just as he's about to hit the lizard, the guy shouts out, oh, I'm undone, I'm dead, I'm dead. And as soon as he hits the lizard, it turns into a white horse, and he rides off into heaven on the horse. So the whole idea of that, that weight on your shoulder, that sinful addiction, that passion, was really supposed to be a tool all the time. And you thought, oh, if I lose this, I'm, I'm dead, I need this. I need, I need my addiction. I need my, my passions, but you do, but not in the addictive way, not in the, in the bad way. You need it to be in its proper context. Um, we have to make time to pray and to strive for a life of repentance. I think Barton has said that hundred percent. We should be praying for <clears throat> everybody. Like Mick said, we should be praying for other people. We shouldn't be so self-centered in our prayer. We should, um, Try to serve others in everything we do and put yourself last. You know, I mean, put yourself last. This is such a big thing with addicts or with depression is that our focus is on ourselves the whole time. Take your focus off yourself. Try to be a, a positive influence and a positive impact on everybody else. And all of a sudden you will notice that you're far less depressed if your focus is on other people and trying to do good. Um, one of you had mentioned about embracing your darkness, this idea of shadow work in the new age. Oh, you know, uh, uh, shadow work, embrace your darkness, see your darkness and accept it as part of who you are. This kind of comes into the whole idea of equilibrium in masonry, the black and white checkerboard. You know, oh, a little bit of evil, a little bit of good. We keep the balance. We No, your, <laughs> your darkness is a corruption of your, of your nature. The darkness is not something to be embraced. It's something to be recognized and then to move away from and to repent for, <laughs> not, not to say, oh, well, this is just who I am. You know, I'm a little bit of good. I'm a little bit of bad. No, we're very bad as people. We have a fallen nature. We are evil. You know, we express evil all the time and that is not the way it's supposed to be. And we can move away from that. And through Christ, we're redeemed and we can drop off those chains and be, become perfected and that's really what um what we need to do and that's all the notes i wrote thank you oh my goodness jerry have you ever thought about writing a book 
Yeah, I was a writer in high school. I wrote a lot of short stories, scripts, poems, stuff like that. So I've definitely I mean, thought about it. At least everything you just said could be an amazing blog post or article that you could get published because that was really good. All of you guys, <laughs> so good. And I can't wait to hear from Mia. Go for it. Wow. Wow. So much has already been said, but like so much truth in this conversation. Um, I've got the motherly perspective on this issue because it's interesting how the world wants us to think that it's not that bad. Like one small lie, it's not that bad. As if it's not a sin, as if it's somehow less evil to lie to your own child about something like for example like Christmas is coming up and the whole stuff around like all the secrets and Santa Claus and like in 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 our house it's she knows that it's not true but then at the same time I told her that some people still think that it's true so we can play along and like let's not ruin their fun, but I'm not going to lie to my child. And I want to teach her from there early on that small or big issue, it's wrong. If it's wrong, like we can't make right, like wrong, it right if, if we want it to be so. And I've heard some people say that they feel bad. Like it's like, don't call it lying. It's not lying to say that it's, it's, it's a lie to, if you lie to your child, even though it is, like that's the thing the world wants us to be so like step by step uh let us lose our morals like it's not that bad like just to how obvious it is for example and on Netflix nowadays like the uh shows about witchcraft now they they the symbolism is much more clearer than it was like 10 years ago for example like Sabrina the 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 show about a witch it wasn't as obviously uh, Luciferian or satanic 10 years ago, the whole uh, theme and the logo and everything. But now during years have gone by and where everything like media is just bombarding us with the symbols and just normalizing stuff that shouldn't be normalized. And nowadays when we see something like that, we see um, the occult symbols and just satanic stuff and demonic stuff. We're just like, yeah, it's just normal. Because that's how human mind works. We just get numbed. Like that's like we know about porn industry and how it ruins lives. And then we should be, we should just let people do it. And we should let like young kids even just watch it because it's inclusive. It's just, it ruins our souls and our minds and our hearts. It just, no, no wonder how our hearts are so hardened because the world is just, it just shows everything and evil is so it's there for us to see and we can't ignore it. And then we have this feeling like, Oh, I should just not, not like be shocked by it. I just, I should just think that it's normal. It's so twisted how the world wants us, wants us to just desensitize us. Is that a word? I hopefully. <laughs> So yeah, that's that's basically what the because it's it's a job. It's a twenty four seven job to keep a child um her mind not like well she's so young that I can still do do that. But I I recognize that as she gets older, it's 
it's hard to keep her mind um, pure or safe because the world is the exact opposite. And the fact that I get to raise her Christian, I get to tell her the difference between right and wrong and why it is so and how God is there always. Like we can always ask forgiveness for him from him. It's it just gives so much more meaning to even my own life. Like it absolutely does. Like motherhood is like together with the uh, the truth of Jesus. It's it's the best thing that has ever happened to me because now I can show her how to uh, how to battle, how to how we were giving this word. We weren't given okay, just peace, peace and love. That's not what we were given. We were given this word, and we have the truth. And with the truth, we can go into the world and be the light of Christ that we were supposed to be. And like Barton said, that we we can then hopefully lead other people to the truth. Because love is not um, accepting. Love is truthful. And love is just. And that is the complete paradox within the new age. We say love and light. And then when someone tells you, yeah, you know, but I, I disagree. No, that, that's not loving. It's not loving to disagree. Even though we could see someone is walking straight to the, like, the, like just pure evil, we, that's seen as evil. It's so ironic. Like warning against evil is seen as evil. And it's just how the world wants to normalize. And well, the new world order, that's new age is the new religion of the new world order. So no wonder how the mysticism and Eastern religions are pushed and how there's no, there's no afterlife there. We just come here again and then you can try again. It's just so meaningless. So yeah, no wonder there's this anxiety floating around how people are so anxious all the time and just feeling empty because there is no sense of meaning because you just feel so alone and the people who spend the most time in the masses those people are the most lonely people and the ones who think that they just want to be part of the masses they want to be exactly like everyone else those are the lonely people and they need christ desperately they need the truth they need something to rely on on these times so yeah, someone said about feelings and when you're slave to your feelings, that's like true slavery. And that's the irony between like within the inclusivity and the fact that we should allow everything, we should allow everyone do as they want to do, like with their bodies, for example. And then they just totally dismiss the studies that show that when people are allowed to do whatever they want with their bodies, the mental health or happiness won't go up. It won't help them at all if they mutilize, like they mutilate themselves and they change everything they can. It won't do a thing with it, with your mindset because it, it won't change the fact that you still don't have a truth. You still don't have a foundation on for your life and you still don't have any safety or harbor where you can just rest. So yeah, that's, we are on the road to destruction. Like if we if we just let anything happen, and if we teach kids that you were born in a wrong body, and that you should cut yourself, and you should you should just totally change who you are so that you could be happy, that's just so twisted and totally not loving, in my opinion. And I know that's a 
opinion that maybe we all share, but I know that it, within this world, it's so sad to say that it's a rare opinion to say that that's not loving to your child to say that they are somehow wrong. So yeah, that's what I have to say about this. <laughs> Powerful, Mia. Wow, Mia. Amen. And I just started watching videos on YouTube. I, it was the like three days ago, I got on this binge of watching videos by young people repenting. Well, not really repenting because they're, I mean, they're not Christian, but they regret transitioning. Mostly they were women, girls who transitioned in their teens to become boys and then detransitioned back to being girls. And they're so brave sharing their stories. There's so many of them. And the theme that ran through this was exactly what you said, that they were unhappy, anxious, you know, unhappy with themselves, hated themselves. They thought that if they changed to a boy, it would solve everything and they would love themselves again. And they, and they realized that it, it didn't work at all and they regretted it and went back. So they're making these videos for other teens to see like, you think this is going to make you happy and it's not. And then the last piece, you know, that I think, and I pray that these young people can find Christ because, um, yeah, <laughs> just like you said, that's, there's, um, there's, and in, and in my experience, even there's no peace. I had no peace. I had no peace until I found Christ and, um, all of you guys, all four of you, everything you said today is so important, so powerful, so well said. And I'd like to close by just each one of you maybe riffing off what somebody else said or just a final comment, um, final statement for this talk. So Mikhail, would you like to go first? Let me just uh, get unmuted there. Okay. Um, yeah. So brilliantly said everything that was said today by each and every one of you guys. I mean, my mind is flying with a lot of ideas right now, but um, the one thing that keeps coming to mind is um, something, something that I've been reading um, in this particular book. If I can grab it here. Um, it's an excellent book for, for catechumens. Um, I don't know if you could see it. But this book right here that I'm reading, it, it essentially, uh, this is called The Orthodox Faith, Worship, and Life, um, which is an excellent book if, if you guys want to read it. Um, but one of the things that keeps coming to mind for me is this um, illusion of light that keeps, keeps getting um, pushed out there, which is nothing new. I mean, this is something that's been going on for a long time. I mean, since as far back as one can even think beyond our time. And this false light that that's coming out, I think, particularly now, you know, with people with the new age and whatnot is very deceiving um, in a lot of regards. And it's almost in such an intric intricate way. It's it's um, it's just really bringing people closer and closer to spiritual death, as you know, Mia was saying, you know, with with the pornography, with the transgenderism, with the addictions and all these things. Um, you know, that each of you guys kind of touched upon. Um, and that's, that's the false light. The real light um, is, is something that is purifying. It is a fire. 
it's the same fire. And, you know, I, I was listening to a stream. I forget exactly who it was that was saying it was a, it was a church father that was saying it, but the same light that is given off by God, um, you know, to cleanse us, the same burning fire, which is of his essence, is the same light that makes the demons scatter. It's the same fire that burns them. And I think just understanding that concept will help us to have no fear, to have less fear as far as what's happening in the world. Even if we do understand who God is and, you know, we, we do love Christ and we do have that, that connection, you know, even despite that, the enemy tries to trip us up and, you know, throw fears into our, our path and distractions, these perennial distractions. And at the end of the day, those things are, are false light, you know, and the real light is the very thing that's meant to cleanse us, to, to keep us from falling into that fear and into that confusion. Um, because again, God is not the author of confusion, you know, in all these things that are happening. And in a lot of ways, when we do in, in any event, really, in the only way is to really rely on God, to lean on God, to make our choices, to literally in our prayers to say, thy will be done in these times will help us in a great, great way. I mean, I could speak for myself um, that it's it's changed my life. It really has. It's changed how I've viewed the world. It's changed how I deal with other people. Um, but, but, you know, really, it comes down to it's not my will. And, you know, when I wake up in the morning, it's not my will. I may not want to, um, you know, do certain things like get up early. You know, I'm not a fan of doing it, but I do it because my prayer time is important, you know, and for everybody that's out there, make your time, you know, take your time to pray. Don't rush through it. Actually spend that time wholeheartedly and, and in an honest way, praying to God and being real with God and having a relationship with him and giving that time, you know, so that's, that's pretty much all I can say in regards to that. All right. Thank you, Mikhail. Vartan, you're next. Yeah, I'm, I agree with brother Mikhail. Like my brain is fried at such a point, but it's fried in, in a great sense. There's so much good information that is said so far each way by each and every one of you. And the, the, there, it's also such an important topic, and uh, we could give this so many sequels uh, on this particular subject because it is very important. And one thing that came to mind, what, what Sister Mia said, is that um, uh, the, 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 the powers that be are like priming us, making it all normal again, making our hearts stone making ourselves more uh proud prideful and having the the pre-list of like knowing how it is and how it shouldn't be and everybody is right and let's just bend over backwards for everybody else and um, so many things as a young kid when they for instance uh, told me like um first believe then see like as a kid of five you're like no i don't believe that type of stuff but when you grow older and older and older and a bit more wisdom of course you just cannot help but to bow your knee to those facts because there is so much out there that we don't cannot comprehend. And you can only bow your knee to, to God, of course, and recognize who he is. And priming us for the prideful devil that has come because a prideful spirit is all about showing off. Like, look at how amazing I am. Look at how good I am. 
like our God is a God, God of humbleness. Like he can juggle with galaxies, but he himself portrays himself so humbly that he doesn't want to scare us. Like in Matthew 20, verse 28 says that the son of man came to serve and not to be served. Like we need to, like we maggots, we we wicked people should understand what it, what the implication of that of that verse actually is and what Christ in his humility, like the all-powerful and all-be-all has done for us and come to our level. That's something that we can, we can never get enough of. And something that I already addressed on my last uh, session with Allison, uh, one of the big reasons why I do a lot of apologetics was the war of last year. And uh, for those who don't know, in Armenia, there broke a war out on Artsakh, where uh, uh, Armenians will live there for already thousands of years. 5,000 Armenian men and, and citizens passed away, including four of my family members. And I remember th that was just a, a real-life scenario nightmare. And um, uh, something that really boggled my mind was that while it was happening over there, only thing that kept, kept popping up in my mind was like the, the unadulterated hedonism in this, in the West, like everybody's going out partying or right, Corona is still happening, but just for the uh, allegory of it, everybody's partying, everybody is going out, is, is putting their stoned cold heart out there and all, all of it while there is suffering in the world. Right now, as we speak, someone is, crying out to God is such an agonizing way, suffering and just in the most unimaginable way thinkable. And this is reality we actually live in. And one thing that uh, my Armenian yeah, parents, for instance, said is like, what happened to the West? I thought it was a Christian nation. And something yeah, that, that, bro that broke that struck a nerve with me because I wanted to do, of course, something about it because I see so much nominalism. I see so much cultural Christianity. I see so much people who bend over their back for the, the, the LGBT community. I, today I saw an, um, an Instagram story of there were pro-abortion people and there was this banner with thank God for abortion. Like it just, exploded my mind like that they are celebrating the fact of what is happening between those four walls like children are being sacrificed and, and I, I have friends who have uh, their own organizations here in Holland called like scream for life and they the way they explain in detail what is happening between those four walls is just one of those things again that you really come to notice at what time of wicked world we're actually living. But the fact that those people who follow the, the, the wicked sins of their flesh, being gullible, celebrating death, thinking that um, everybody has their own truth and everybody should do what they like to do, it, it just angers me. But at the same time, we need to have compassion for them. And that, as Christ has said to his father, the father forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. And one parable in particular, I remember if I recall correctly, it was Luke 8, where Christ is coming to dinner at uh, the Pharisee called Simon. And um, there is this woman who has like her alabaster jar. And in those days, alabaster jars of perfume 
those that was just like the prized possession at that moment. And uh, she was wiping the feet of, of Christ and she was wiping with the tears and with her hair. And Simon the Pharisee says, like, um, why are you why are you letting this stuff happen to her? But at that moment, when everybody was walking on sandals and dusty roads, like it was the common uh, common thing that if once you come with someone's home to eat, they're cleaning up your feet. And Jesus gave him a parable. He says, like, uh, Simon, I'm paraphrasing right now. I could read it from the Bible. It's like, if you have someone who is in debt for like 100 euros or $100 or $1,000, and I both of them, I just like negate. It's like, okay, you, you don't have any debt. Who, which one does love me more? It's like, yeah, those who pay 1,000 euros, of course, are correct. So the woman knew that she was a sinner, but she recognized her Lord. And Christ forgave her at that moment. And the analogy that I personally give is left like this rubber band and you like stretch it, stretch it, stretch it, stretch it, stretch it. At the moment when you let go, it just like shoots 10 times faster the other way around. And the way how I see that those people who are dancing for, for abortion or war, anti-Christian, once they are at the feet of Christ, when they see him, when he appears right in front of them, I do know that once they... They open their arts church, so I know Christ won't reject them. I do know that for a fact. And it's, it's just it's a matter of showing that, that that's the case. Like, it's about, it's to come. Like, I don't know what to say anymore. But this wicked world that we're actually living, it just is, I, can't, I just pray for Christ to come. Like, Maranatha, Maranatha, Lord, please come, please come. Every time when I see wickedness or sin or, or I see sin in myself, I'm like, cleanse me, please, like, save me from myself, save people from themselves. And um, let, let it, let, yeah, let the Lord come as, as soon as possible. I cannot wait to, to hug my Lord. Like, uh, well done, my uh, uh, beloved servant. Like that's, that's, those are the words that everybody, every Christian loves to hear. And uh, hopefully for, uh, for all of us, it happens. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Vartan. Yeah. <sighs> I can't wait to go back and watch this again. So many gems. Thank you, Vartan. Oh, so good. All right, Jerry, any final words from you? Yes, I just took a lot more notes. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, um, well, if don't forget, yeah, I'm going to have you back on the show. So if, if you're going to be talking for another half hour, let's have you back on the show. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'll, no, I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. kidding. Okay, I hope I didn't take a half hour of that. No, first. no, no, no. Don't worry. We love every word. I told you it's good enough to write a book. So we love it. Yeah. So um, so Mia has been talking about uh, what, a, what a giant responsibility it is to raise children. And that is truly important uh, for people to understand when they, when they have kids is that you have such a big responsibility to instill in them you know, proper values and the proper understanding of what good is and what God is and, and God's, um, you know, the fact that God is always in our life. And uh, I, I would really hope uh, to get across to people that, you know, take it seriously, bring your children to liturgy and show them how to be good Christians, because this world has such a, a, a battle against goodness and against God. And they are going to be influenced and put around 
demonic influences in school and through the TV and through the internet. So please take that seriously. Um, somebody said there's no peace without Christ. Like in the new age, you don't have peace. There's always this inner turmoil. There's, there's never rest and peace. And, and when we know Christ, it truly is a restful thing. It's a battle and a struggle against evil, but we, but Christ is our rest and is our peace. And, um, that's not something you can get anywhere else. And it's not even something that you can really describe to people. You just have to, to experience it yourself. Um, humility is a very important thing. Somebody had talked about humility. Um, that is such a, a big contrast with all of these worldly um, philosophies and lifestyles and worldviews. Um, we're taught to be humble and, and to practice humility. And it is so contrary to uh, where the world you know, pushes us and the idea of how we are told we're supposed to live. Um, every, it's, it's all, you know, puff up your ego, uh, try to be the best, you know, uh, try to make people think you're the best and you're the toughest and you're the strongest. And um, so, yeah, I mean, humility is, is a very important lesson to learn that you are a sinner, that you have done wrong and that only through obedience to Christ, you can, truly start to correct that and become the person you're supposed to be. Um, Varden had said that there's so much out there that we cannot comprehend. And that is very true. Um, the idea of the noetic vision and the metaphysical, um, there is so much more to life than what we see. And um, if we are corrupted, if we are sinning, if we are not in the church and not participating in the sacraments, our noetic vision is, is, dimmed and blinded and clouded and through repentance and through participation in the liturgy and communing and all the sacraments of the church, we start to have our noetic vision cleansed and you start to see more and more of, of the, the underlying things that isn't, that aren't physical. You start to see more of right and wrong and, and who God is. And um, that's a big reason why, you know, when I was, not a Christian. I didn't, even though I was looking for the truth so much, I didn't understand a lot of these things. And I thought I did. I thought I knew, you know, about Christianity. I thought I knew about God. And you really can't until you take that humble approach and you repent and you, and you try to be obedient to God. And then the more that you do that and the stronger that you become in your faith, the more of the reality of it you see and you grasp and, um, that's another thing that can't really be explained to people. You just have to do it. And then it, it becomes like, for me, like there's nothing in this world that could shake my faith. Even if, you know, the aliens were to come down right now and be like, no, we'll tell you what it's like that, that literally couldn't shake my faith because I know it's, it's reality. I know it's true. Um, and that's just something that, that comes with repentance and following Christ. Um, Thank God for your trials and for your tribulations and for your suffering, because they are opportunities for repentance. Um, repentance is a gift. Repentance is something that we should pray to experience, because true repentance is extremely powerful, and it's something that you have to strive for. Not something that you can just do. I mean, we can feel bad about some things we've done that maybe had a, a negative impact in the world, but when you really fully grasp how you've fallen short of God's love and how you've fallen short of God's plan for your life. That is something that 
is truly healing and, and truly beneficial to your soul. So pray for repentance. Um, I believe Vartan was talking about abortion. We must stand up against abortion. And these things are really important. These are the things that we shouldn't be um, quiet about. You know, this is uh, a true evil on the world and many children are dying and that's so important to stand up against. So please stand up against that. Stand up against the Kufid uh, mandates, the mask mandates, the stabbies. Um, these are things, again, that are extremely important and that are can at least cause divides in churches and in and, and many times are causing divides in churches. Um, what I want to say about that is to just be loving and be a good Christian to those who are who disagree with you on these things. You know, it's important to speak the truth and it's important to try to show people why we are against these things, why we're against the fear. But it's more important to be loving and to be humble and to be a good Christian to these people. Be an example for them because people tend to go with the masses. People tend to to flock, you know, to, to be um, washed along with the ebb and flow of the spirit of the age and with basically what most people feel on a given topic. Even people in the church who aren't um, fully engaged with what's going on in the world right now as far as these things who don't, who haven't looked into, you know, the dynamic of global power, who haven't realized that the people in these high positions are not good Christians, even if they say they are. Um, you know, they've given up, in many cases, critical thinking, um, and they just kind of, I, David Patrick Harry was talking about that last night, how a lot of these people have just given up the, the concept of critical thinking because they're afraid of the truth or because they just were never taught how to think critically. And um, so they're being swept along. They're being deceived. So be an example for them. You know, you don't have to scream at somebody. You don't have to try to beat the truth into their head. Be an example. Don't go along with the evil. That's number one. That's the best thing you can do. Don't go along with it. Stand up for the truth. Do what's right. They tell you to put a mask on, say no. And if somebody asks why, be loving, be kind, and just, just stand up for the truth and explain it to them without being overly combative or hostile. So these are, these are the most important things I can think of. Um, I just want to thank everybody for being here. Thank you for watching. Please like, share, and subscribe to um, A Devotional Heart to this video. And uh, I humbly ask everybody to subscribe to my channel as well, Exposing Powerful Lives. Thank you, Allison, Barton, Mia, and Mikhail. Uh, much love to you guys. And oh. I'm really glad to be here. Jerry, thank you. Thank you so much. And yeah, I'm going to put links to everybody's social media and everything like that in the description. And Mia, I don't know if your project is a secret, so I'm not going to give it away, but thank you for the work you're doing for mothers in Finland. Christian. It's not a secret. It's not? Oh, good. Okay. No. And then you tell us and then give us your, your final words. Ah, yeah. We're building a community for Christian mothers in Finland and, um, uh, like women's circles and just community for truth loving Christ loving mothers. So that's with some that's creative it. ideas for things like the nativity and stuff like that too, right? Yeah, yeah. We'll um 
maybe I can send the Instagram Instagram page to you and you can then share the link. So okay. if some Finnish mother somehow finds this video, she can then join. <laughs> uh, thank God you, bless you, God bless your, uh, your efforts, Mia. Very important stuff. Uh, very important work you're doing. God bless you. Uh, thank you. God bless you too. I'm doing my best, really. Like with the limited time I have, I'm just... Oh, I've I've gained so much this year for like this online community. Like I, it's so funny because I'm I'm all the way over here, like across the Atlantic City. And my 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 best friend, like Alison, you're you're so far away, but you're so dear to me. Like oh my goodness, it's just Love so wonderful. But um, to close the amazing, well, Alison, you're probably going to say something like your own own. Uh, but uh, Mikhail, you talked about how your friend uh, suddenly turned his back to you when you were sharing your experience and just your joy and how you were moving forward with your uh, faith. I can see this pattern <laughs> happening and I think we all can uh, say how it's it's a pattern, what happens with relationships when one finds Christ and the truth and the true faith it's um it's saddening somehow it's sad but at the same time it's it's it shows how how world despises the truth and jesus christ the name even and some you you all talked about this so but i just wanted to mention that uh it's if anyone who watches just has found the truth and is alone and feels like no one around her or him understands what it what what's happening it's we've all been there and it's it's totally normal and it's nothing to do with you it's to do with the world and the upside down world we're living in and the fact that someone in this year at this time finds the truth it's a miracle it's a miracle we're all here glory to god that we're all here it's it's amazing and it's just so So I just want to say that you're not alone and that there are people like you. I'm I'm sure that even close to you and maybe you just don't know about it. And the fact that uh, um Satan doesn't care if we just hit miss the truth by one centimeter. Well, you don't use metric system, like whatever inches or whatever you use. He doesn't care if it's small or big amount. If it, He only cares that you just miss the truth. So the fact that um the deception like the deception of the new age has infiltrated in the Christian faith is like it's it's shocking to believers to find out that they have been practicing new age um occultist practices without knowing that it's it's basically luciferian stuff they're doing so the fact that even believers uh, are part of the other agenda too without knowing It's it's important to know that we can't drink from two cups. We have to choose and we have to knowingly then repent and just turn our backs and not go back there ever. So um it's like every time I talk about the false light, there's someone who believes, who comes to me and says, is it that bad? Like energy healing? Could that be from God? Like, like there's always someone who uh 
guts gets these things mixed because it's so normalized once again. So that's exactly what the world wants us to be confused. Like, is this part of the truth or not? And then as they teach us, we follow our feelings. It feels good. My intuition says that it could be of God. Like maybe I should go for it. So just saying that the Bible is the authority. And if if the Bible doesn't say do so, please don't. So yeah. And then um, I think Jerry, you just mentioned about the not complying. And Alison, the link you sent me, maybe you should link the YouTube video you sent us all about the professors of psychology or whatever they were. They were talking about how this plan is moving forward step by step and how we can avoid the totalitarian. Totalitarian. Uh, we can. We can avoid it by not complying and keep speaking up. When we speak the truth, we spread the word. There is this percent of people, like 30% or something, who know that there's something going on, but they are afraid of speaking up. So when we speak up, they can then follow. And they know that when they continue, uh, maybe when they start to speak up, the one part of population will turn their backs to them but we are here and we will take them so like it's there is always place to come because truth won't burn so there is always people who are there for the truth and you can always join us beautiful oh my gosh i'm so grateful to be able to call all four of you my friends and and the entire community um, everybody who supports this channel leaves comments and shares thank you thank you it means everything to me um, my life will never be the same having started this channel and it's just going to keep growing um, if anybody wants to help support my work, there will be a link in the description to send a little donation. If you can't do that, that's fine. Maybe just share this video with a friend of yours or two. I am a Christian life coach. You can find me on Instagram at a devotional heart if you want to learn more about the work I do. And once again, I'd like to thank my panel and I've asked Bartan to close today's session with a prayer for the five of us, but also everyone who watches this video. So um, first, just thank you guys again. And Vartan, would you please close with a prayer? Yeah. Thank you. Father, Son, now Holy Spirit, our beloved Father, our internal son, our beloved Holy Spirit. Thank you that we were able to come here together to give glory to your name, to edify you. Thank you that we once were the lost sheep. You were the good shepherd that came through the dark valleys and shaved, saved us. Our Lord, our spirit, please fill us by your wisdom, by your truth. Let everything that we say be truthful. Let this session have the ripple effect into the hearts of people 
who subconsciously know they are deceived or who subconsciously know they are under the strongholds of the evil one. Cleanse us by the blood of the Lamb. Help us always to hate sinfulness, but help us always to love our fellow human being like you loved us. Lord, let us love each other like Christ loved his church. Let us sacrifice ourselves for each other. Let ourselves build each other up. Let ourselves know what it means to be a Christian. Let us bear our cross in our hearts and on our shoulders, climbing up the mountain towards you. Our Father, thank you, thank you so much that we will be able to come here together in such a way that we were able to tell each other what it was we as little individuals in this big mean world coming to know the light, the life, and the truth in Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you. Amen. 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 And see you guys next time, and God bless all of you and your God families. Bless you. <laughs> God bless you.